Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. You know how life doesn't stick to a schedule? Well, why should your paycheck? That's where Earn In comes in. It's an app that lets you access the money you've earned right when you need it, not just on payday. Imagine this, your dog suddenly needs a vet or your kid has a little accident and needs a dentist, ASAP. We've been there and waiting for your payday in those situations just doesn't make sense and it adds unnecessary stress. With EarnIn, you can pull up to $100 per day or up to $750 each pay period directly from your earnings without the crazy fees or interest rates. It's super simple. Download the EarnIn app, verify your paycheck, and get access to your earnings as you earn them. You decide what to tip, and whatever you use gets settled on your next payday. More than 3.5 million users are finding relief and a sense of security with EarnIn, calling it a lifeline for financial stability. That peace of mind, it's priceless, and it could be yours. Ready to give it a try? Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Clutter under Podcast when you sign up. It'll really help out the show. That's Clutter under Podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. You're listening to Wannabe Minimalist with Deanna Yates, episode number 146. On today's episode, I'm talking about donating our items that we have decided to declutter. Specifically, I want to address how to deal with the desire to find the perfect recipient for these things and how to not let that hold us back. Well, hey there, my wannabe minimalist friend. Welcome back to the show. My name is Deanna Yates, and as always, I am thrilled that you are here. If this is your first time listening to this show, well then welcome aboard. I hope the information that I provide is not only helpful, but that it inspires you into action and leaves you wanting to come back for more. Today's topic was inspired by the community that we have over on Facebook. One of the challenges a member's facing is, and I quote, letting go of finding the perfect receiver of things. Go ahead and end quote. Uh, this is actually a topic that I hear more often than you might think. And so I'm going to break down why I think that this is an issue and a few different ways that we can tackle it. But before we dive in today, I would love to ask for a quick favor. If you enjoyed today's episode, would you please take a second to leave a rating or a review for the show? You can leave a quick rating wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can actually leave a review on there too. I read them all, and that's often where I get suggestions for show material and how I improve the show. Also, be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified of new episodes. I've been recording a bunch of guest interviews this past week, and I know you won't want to miss them. We are talking everything from setting up better habits, interior design, letting go of sentimental clutter, and so much more. All right, let's go ahead and get back into what led me to chatting about this topic today. and. 
I want us to look at why we feel the need to find the perfect recipient first for all of these discarded belongings and what we can do about it. So first, let's look at our belief that we need to actually find this perfect recipient, right? Okay, why do we have this in our mind? Why is this one of the thoughts that we have? Well, there could be several reasons behind why we feel this way, but there are three common reasons that I see the most often. The first is that the thing that we are looking to get rid of was expensive, and so it feels really wasteful to just donate it. Now, I have talked about this in a past episode about all this guilt that we have when we want to declutter things, and this is definitely one of those things that comes up more often than not. Um, You know, we don't necessarily like to admit it that when we are getting rid of something or we're donating something that's expensive, that's expensive, that I don't know, do we not feel that it's worthy to donate? I don't know. It's like it's too good to donate. And I know a lot of that might sound superficial, but a lot of us have that feeling. So don't feel bad if that's what first pops in your mind. We can go ahead and move past it, right? So if you actually had that thought come in your mind and you feel like a bad person now thinking it, don't feel bad, okay? Here's a way we can shift it. I want you to consider giving it a gift to an unknown person. You have no idea who this person is. That doesn't mean that we can't be generous to strangers, right? I think we actually still get the benefits of giving things. Though scientifically, it is proven that it is good for us and we feel good when we give something. The National Institutes of Health actually does a study on this and I will link Uh, to the study in the show notes, but gift-giving behavior actually causes humans to release feel-good chemicals in the brain. These are chemicals like serotonin, dopamine, and oxytocin that create a warm glow effect, right? It's a little bit of a high. We're releasing endorphins, which produce these positive feelings, and it's actually called the helper's high. So like we can have a runner's high after we go running and we get that adrenaline and that, you know, those endorphins, this is called a helper's high. So we are going to get good effects. We're going to get these feel-good chemicals when we donate something. So even if we don't know this person, we're still going to get that benefit. I also want us to understand that the money has already been spent. So this is looking at it from a slightly different lens. But if you feel bad, if it feels wasteful that you're getting rid of something that's expensive, please understand you no longer have that money. Holding on to that thing will not magically add digits to your bank account. It's just stuff sitting in a hall closet or your <laughs> anywhere in your house, right? It's not actually benefiting you. You're not actually going to get that money back just by magically holding on to it. And so please just understand the money has already been spent. It's a sunk cost. You can let go of it and you are in no different position than you are right now. And then also realize that just because it was expensive when you purchased it, it doesn't mean that it's still going to be worth anything now, right? Something that was worth money in the past may not be worth money now. And I'm looking at you, Beanie Babies. Like, did you go through that phase? Like, did you collect Beanie Babies? Uh, You probably collected them. If you're my age, you might have just collected them because you liked them, but you also might have collected them because you thought they were going to be worth something, right? Wasn't that the greatest, like... Uh, I don't know, scam that was thrown on people. Okay, so funny story about Beanie Babies. Because I do not believe Beanie Babies are worth any money, right? But these thoughts are ingrained in us really, really deeply. We had a Beanie Baby and it's really cute. It's like a tie-dye one and I don't know, maybe it was worth money. Who knows? But it's one of those things, even as I say it, right? I'm still saying it. 
there was a moment, right, of taking the tag off. There really was a pause of like, are you allowed to take the tag off? Of course you're allowed to take the tag off. You own the darn Beanie Baby. You can do anything you want with this Beanie Baby. But those thoughts can get really ingrained in us, right? It can be so difficult to move past these habits that have been set, these these actions that have been instilled in us, knowing that it really doesn't matter. That darn Beanie Baby was probably not worth any money. And if it was worth money, was it worth more than what we would have bought a new one from the store for? No, probably not. And how are we going to find out? Were we going to actually list this thing on eBay or whatever and like try to actually sell it? No, I wasn't. Rip the dang tog off. Let the kids play with it. And Beanie Babies aren't the only things we've done this with our in our house with, right? Like I had Hallmark ornaments that I collected from when I was a kid, and it was so hard for me to actually donate them versus selling them because it was ingrained in me that these were going to be worth money someday. Guess what? Spoiler alert, they're not. So many people collected these things. They are plastic from the 80s. Nine million copies of them were made. Okay, that's an exaggeration, of course. Not nine million copies were made, but so many were made. They're not rare, right? The reason we think these things are rare is because there were rare things for our parents' generation. And then when their generation didn't know those things were rare, right, things got used up and given away. And so then there was like this backlash for hoarding, holding on to these things, thinking we were collecting them because they would be worth money someday. The off chance is they're not really. And if they are, you're going to be okay. Like the money's already been spent. I guess if you think you might have something that's really worth money, you can go on Antiques Roadshow for it. But I'm here to tell you that 99.9% of the time, it's not actually worth the money. Okay, so please feel like you can use your stuff, get rid of it, let it go, and just try to let it go with no attachment. And I know that is much easier said than done, but trust me, I have been there. I have let go of things that have I have been told my entire life, oh, this is going to be worth some money. This is going to be worth some money. And how many times have we looked at these things? You look them up on eBay. They never sold. They're not worth any money. Or if they are worth money, they're worth like $5, right? And is it worth your time and energy to put it all together, take it to the, you know, to the post office and deal with getting it to someone? Likely not. Okay. So that's number one. That the thing that you're trying to part with is expensive and so it feels wasteful to donate it. So hopefully there's a few uh, options right there that that made sense to you and resonated with why maybe we can let go of the expensive tag. I'm doing air quotes over here that it's, it's okay, right? We've spent the money. We enjoyed the thing. Now it can go on to a new life. Number two, I feel bad tossing it as I don't want to contribute to the landfill or hurt the environment. I hear this one a lot. Yes, I feel it too. It is difficult. It is very difficult knowing that the thing that you are donating may not actually get purchased by someone, right? You might take something to the uh, donation center, to whatever the resale store is, and someone might not take it. It might go in the landfill. I want you to actually feel that though. I don't want you to take your stuff to the donation center and think, oh, well, I donated it. So now, you know, I'm off scot-free. Because the hard truth is that whenever you buy something, it will eventually end up in the landfill. And I'm going to repeat that again. Whatever you buy, eventually it will go in the landfill. Do you wish you could find an educational podcast that your kids actually want to listen to and you enjoy too? Well, you're in luck. Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as math, is a weekly show full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. 
We listened to a few episodes and not only did our daughter want to listen to more next time we're in the car, I found myself chuckling too. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time traveling adventures. You're transported to moments in ancient history like Pythagoras' ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. Plus, they do a great job of teaching math theory without it being boring, complicated, or overly childish. And that can't be easy, but it's not really a surprise considering Mysteries About True Histories is from the creators of the hit podcast Who Smarted, Brain Games on Nat Geo and Disney+, and Brainchild on Netflix. Episodes drop every Thursday, and since they are about 15 minutes, they are the perfect length for kids ages 6 and up. Turn your next car ride, break time, or bedtime into math time with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. This podcast is supported by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. We've been using Active Skin Repair for a few months now, and I am seriously impressed. They use a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which is pretty much a superhero in skincare. It mimics your body's own immune response, helping to cleanse, soothe, and reduce inflammation to support the natural healing process. And let me tell you, it works for more than just scraped knees. Whether it's sunburns, rashes, or even more persistent issues like eczema or acne, Active Skin Repair has got you covered. The best part? It's totally safe and non-toxic. That means it's gentle enough for every skin type, from the little ones to grandma and everyone in between, making it the go-to for everyone in the family. I scraped my knuckle the other day while doing laundry, and my first thought was to grab the Active Skin Repair because one, it doesn't sting like other products, and two, I knew it would help me heal faster. So if you're looking for a natural, effective way to handle boo-boos, check out Active Skin Repair. And because you're a listener, you can get 20% off your order. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code CLUTTERFREE. Again, that's ActiveSkinRepair.com and use code CLUTTERFREE to get 20% off your order. Now, what I want you to do now is to pay attention to what you buy in the first place. I don't want that idea of it ending up in the landfill to stop you from living. I just don't but I want you to think about what you're buying and bringing into your house in the first place. Is it something you're going to use? Is it something you're going to love? Is it something that you find beautiful? Those are the three things, right? Those are the biggest questions to ask yourself. And if the answer is yes to any of those, it does not have to be yes to all of them. But if it's yes to one of those, then it is worth investigating and bringing into your home. If it is just something that you think is cute on a whim, we are in a store and you have this impulse to buy it, please, 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 Take a moment, take a breath, walk around the store if you have to, and then come back to it. You can put it in your cart if you want and reevaluate it before you get to the checkout, but I would really actually rather you not put it in your cart, make a mental note of it, go do your shopping, and if you're still thinking about it at the end and you really, really, really think that you want it, then go back and grab it and put it in your cart. Nine times out of 10, you're going to realize you didn't actually need it. You just thought it was cute at the moment. Um, And if we can just pause that momentum, it will actually help us a lot. And it's going to help keep the clutter down in your house. It's a super simple step that doesn't actually take you any extra time. And then you won't get to the the buyer's remorse. Do you do this? This I've done this lots. You buy something because you think it's cute and then you get home and you're like, oh my gosh, I made the biggest mistake. And now you have this thing that's sitting on your to-do list to take it back. 
and you're dealing with that and you're dealing with the guilt of buying it and you're dealing with the fact that you have to go back to the store now and then if you miss the window of return, now you've got to deal with this thing and you're going to end up donating it and it's going to be something you just wasted money on. So we go back to tip number one, right? Okay, so this is these are where these little tips come in. I want you to pay attention to what you buy and be more intentional. Now, I'm going to talk about a, I'm going to go off on a little tangent here and talk about an online retailer that has really come into the forefront in the last couple years. And it's uh, Shein. You might think it's Shine. Um, It's S-H-E-I-N. It's pronounced Shein. And it is one of the newest and biggest polluters in the fashion space. So if you buy clothes online, you likely have run across this company. They went from 10 billion to 100 billion in two years, and they are everywhere now. They have a huge social media presence. And, you know, it's it's a problem because according to an article in Time Magazine, which of course I'm going to link in the show notes, and I quote, the manufacturer's rapid use of virgin polyester and large consumption of oil churns out the same amount of CO2 as approximately 180 coal-fired power plants. And as a result, the company leaves about 6.3 million tons of carbon dioxide a year in its trail, end quote. So this is something we really need to be mindful of, that as we're buying things, we need to just be mindful that we're going to use them. Now, if you are going to buy something from Shein and you like it and you are going to wear it and it's, you know, something that you will actually treasure, go for it. But the likelihood is you won't because it is very fast fashion. It is more throwaway fashion than the likes of Zara and H&M even because people can't try them on. The return policy is a little funky. And so just be really careful when you are purchasing things and make these conscious decisions. Don't just buy something because you think it's cute. Make sure you're going to use it, wear it, love it. Okay. All right. I'm going to get off my soapbox now. Um, But a lot of it just comes back to you know, it's, I'm not saying that we can't buy things. I buy things. We need things. That's, you know, one of the wonderful things about living in the modern society we do is we have access to all of these things that make our lives easier, that make our lives more beautiful. Um, but we just need to be conscientious when we make those purchases and just know that that thing is going to eventually end up in the landfill. And if we are really, really, if that's the thing we're struggling with the most when we are decluttering, then we can stop that. We can fix it on the front end and not have to deal with the guilt on the back end. Okay. And then the third reason why I think we are dealing with this issue of finding the perfect recipient is that sometimes something was special to me. So if I give it to the right person, I won't feel regretful of letting it go. Now, one of my upcoming episodes is going to be about sentimental clutter and letting go of things that belong to a loved one of ours that has passed. And I know these emotions are tricky. So please stay tuned. If you if that's something that is um, hard for you, please stay tuned, subscribe so you're notified when that episode comes out. But I know emotions are really tricky and they run high. Oftentimes when we're decluttering, we go down that, you know, emotional, uh, you know, road. We kind of deal with those things from the past. All of these, you know, tricky feelings come up. And I want first to say that it is totally okay to hold on to something if you are not ready to let it go. 100% okay. You are in charge of your belongings. You get to decide when it is, when you are ready to let them go, when it's time for you. So if you are not there, don't rush it. Don't make, you know, don't feel the pressure that you have to let go of something. Give yourself that 
you know, ability. Put it in a box, put a time on it, just go back and check on it regularly so that you're not just leaving it for, you know, 10, 20 years from now, you're going to find it in the the attic or the basement or the garage, right? Check on these things periodically. I do that. I go around my house regularly and look at the things we have and just make sure we're clearing it out so that we're not dealing with these giant piles and lots of stuff all at once because it is very overwhelming. And then the second thing is, and the second thing is that we shouldn't get hung up on who we give it to because we never know what we're actually going to feel like when we get rid of something until we actually do it. So we might let go of something and think, oh gosh, that I feel great. I'm so glad I no longer have that. I hope that new person's enjoying it. We might let go of something and be like, oof, man, that was a lesson. Maybe I shouldn't have let go, let go of something so soon, but I promise you that that emotion will pass, that you will come to terms with the fact that it is something that you know, it was just a thing in my life. It's not going to actually hurt me. It's just a thing and I can, I will move past this. Um, It's just an emotion and emotions are fine. Just like we get happy and we get angry. Sometimes we get sad and they move on, right? And so please just know that it's great if you can find somebody to give it to that will appreciate it, but they may never appreciate it as much as you do. And so we have to just be okay with that. It is just a thing let it go, and then trust that it's going to the right person. Okay, so now that we've looked at some of the underlying emotions as to why we believe we need to find the perfect recipient for our things, I want us to look at some steps that we can take to alleviate this and then move through actually decluttering the things that we no longer need and want. Okay, so number one, if something was expensive, I'm going to go back through a couple of these. Um, But if something was expensive and it still has a lot of value, you can consider selling it. Now, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I talk all the time about don't bother selling it, just let go of it. That has been much easier in my life, but it is a valid option, right? If you have a designer purse or you have something that's worth a lot of money, then absolutely feel free to sell it. If you have big pieces of furniture, those are good things to sell. You also can just donate them or give them away. But if you feel like you're going to be able to recoup some money and it's not going to take a ton of your time and effort, go ahead. The one thing I want you to do though, to be successful at this is to set a threshold. I want you to set a base threshold for selling things. So for instance, you can say, I will not sell anything that I think is going to sell for less than $20. And then that way you can protect your time because honestly, it takes a ton of time to sell our stuff. We have to take a picture of it. We have to create a a post for it. We have to write the description. We have to come up with the amount of money it's going to cost, you know, or how much we're asking for. You're going to have people email you. You have to email them back or text you. You're going to go through the negotiation of how much they're willing to pay and how much you're willing to accept. Then you have to schedule the time for them to come pick it up. Are they actually going to have to come pick it up at your house? Can you meet them at a, you know, central neutral location? Uh, You know, the bigger pieces, again, you're going to have to have someone come in your home. And I don't know if that's worth it for you. So you have to think about all these different parameters that go into selling something. It's not just, I'm going to get the money. There is effort on your end. So I like to set that base threshold to make sure that it's actually worth my time, energy, effort, all of those things, all the inconveniences that it's going to put in our family because it's going to have a time constraint to it. Like I'm going to have to schedule a time probably on a Saturday morning or afternoon, right? And we've got lots of activities that happen on those days. So am I willing to cut into family time to sell something? You're going to have to make that decision for yourself, but that's why I recommend at least setting the base so that you know at least you're going to get 
some value out of it. And then if something falls below that, you can say, well, I'm easily going to donate that. That makes it really simple. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. Okay, so that's number one. If you if it's something was expensive and it's still worth a lot of value, go ahead and try to sell it if it falls within your threshold. Okay, number two, if you decide that you don't want to sell something, you can gift it to your local Buy Nothing group. Now, you've probably heard me talk about these groups. I really love them. But here's the little secret. In that group, you have full control over who you give it to. Now, I often will do a random number generator because it just makes it easier for me. But there are other times when I will go through and I will look to see who in that group has given something. If someone in that group has given a lot of things, then I feel much better giving things to them too. If it's someone in the group that's constantly asking for things and they've never given back, I generally won't give my stuff to them. Um... You can pick people that you think would actually like your item more. You can kind of, you can ask people to tell you what they're going to do with it. You know, if you have a special thing that you're giving away, you can tell the story on it and see how people react to it. You have complete control. It does not have to be given to the first person that responds back. It doesn't have to be given to somebody uh, immediately. You can say, I'm going to let this simmer for 
the weekend. I'm going to let it simmer for 24 hours. You know, let's see who's interested in this thing. Um, I've had people ask for, you know, someone, I'm giving away this thing. I'm going to give it away to who tells me the best joke. Here's a dinner or a, you know, something for the kitchen. I'm going to give it to somebody who has the best recipe idea or how they're going to use it. I've seen my group get really creative. And so that is a really fun way if you want to find somebody specific to give it to. Even if you don't know them, you're going to have a little bit of insight into them. They're local. I love the Buy Nothing group. I love being able to reward people that are also generous on that group by giving my nicer things. When I have a lot of people that are asking for stuff, I get to decide who it goes to. And if you've been given more, then I'm more likely to give you things as well. So I really highly recommend Buy Nothing groups. I've talked about them ad nauseum, probably. <laughs> Sorry if you're sick of hearing of them. Um, but I do really like being able to give things to our local community. It feels like uh, you know, just feels like goodwill, building goodwill within our community. And I really, really do like that. It makes me feel super happy. I get lots of helpers highs from that group. So definitely recommend if you're not looking to sell something and you don't have your local donations, you don't have a so donation center that you really love, try your local buy nothing group. It's really great. You do have to be on Facebook to do it and you can only join one group and it is local, hyper, hyper local. So uh, give those a check. Okay. Speaking of donation centers, that's actually number three. Find a donation center that actually matches up with your beliefs. So I know several of the donation centers uh, are generally attached to a religious organization. Maybe if that's not for you, then you can find one that isn't uh, affiliated with a religion. But there's so many other options out there. You can look for ones that give to hospice care. You can look for ones that give to uh, humane societies. You can look for ones that give back to domestic abuse centers that, you know, will help women in need, that help people looking for careers. Uh, there's all sorts of different donation centers out there and you just have to check. So start with Google. Um, I would just start with Googling your area and see what kind of donation centers there are. Ask your friends if you do belong to a religious organization ask them what kind of um, donation centers are in the area that they would recommend. So there's all sorts of ways that you can find some that actually fit with what you actually care about. So look for that because you will feel better being able to give when it goes to a cause that you actually care about versus just I'm dumping my stuff off at this donation center because I just want it out of my house, which is also completely acceptable and a completely fine reason. But we're looking at right now when we're dealing with trying to find the perfect recipient, sometimes there's not the perfect recipient, but at least if it's a cause that you believe in, you will feel much better giving. It will feel much easier to you. You won't stress about it as much and you'll get that little high of like, okay, at least I'm giving to a good cause that I care about. Okay. So that's number three, find a donation center that actually matches up with something you care about. And the fourth one is letting go of the emotional attachment. Like I said, easier said than done. But I want you to lean into the idea that stuff is with us on our journey when we need it, and it will be available to us again should we need it in the future. So again, we are living in a time when basically anything we want is a click away, right? We can order anything we really want on Amazon. Now, do we actually need all of that? No. Can we survive without it? Yes. But that's for another day. I'm not talking about deprivation here. I want us to be able to enjoy life. And that's going to be having things we love, things we need, and things we find beautiful in our home, right? 
So know that we live in a time that is the most abundant in society that we've ever had, right? We are so lucky to be living when we are right now. We can get what we need when we need it practically overnight, sometimes within two hours. So think about the fact that we don't need to clutter up our houses with just-in-case stuff because we've used that stuff. We've used it when we needed it. We no longer need it. We do not need it at this moment in our life. So I'm going to go ahead and let it go. And I'm going to trust that if I need that stuff again or something like it, that the stuff I need will be in my life when I need it. I will have access to it. I will be able to get it. That we are fortunate enough to be able to have access when we need it. And we are also, humans are way more creative than we give ourselves credit for, right? Like we are super creative and we can find general solutions that might be a little bit outside of the norm. And so if we don't always have exactly what we need at our fingertips, I want you to think back on a time where you were creative. You came up with a creative solution and were able to do something you didn't necessarily think you could do. Or you were able to solve a problem without having the one thing you really thought you needed, right? I mean, I can think of times where we needed to open a bottle of wine on vacation and we came up with really creative solutions. You'd be amazed at what you could find on YouTube. All the little tips and tricks on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube. You can look things up and find other ways and hacks and tips to do things that you maybe didn't think possible. So just remember that if you're not using something right now, the likelihood is you're not going to use it. If you haven't used it in the last three months, the likelihood is you're not going to need it. You're not going to use it. You're not going to look for it because you're going to even forget you had it. So let go of it and understand that you will be able to find a solution when you need it. Be confident in that going forward and you'll be surprised. Okay. With that, I want to turn to you. Do you struggle with finding the perfect recipient for your decluttered items? What do you normally do? And did these tips today help? I would love to hear your thoughts. Come on over to the Wannabe Minimalist Family Group on Facebook and join in the conversation. You can also follow me on Instagram. I'm at wannabe clutter free over there. And I'll be sharing tips this week on questions to ask yourself when looking for a donation center to support. So come on over and check out my posts over there. And if you have any questions, feel free to DM me. You can DM me on there. You can comment on my posts and I would just love to connect with you. I'll leave links in the show notes for all of those resources that I talked about, the article on time, the article um, about the helpers high, and there's also a documentary on Shein. So I want you to check that out as well if you are tempted to look at shopping there. And of course, all those links are going to be in the show notes. So head on over to wannabeclutterfree.com slash 146 to find those links to my other channels, the articles I mentioned, and then the other resources that I offer. And once again, that's wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 146. And that just about wraps it up for today's episode. But before I go, I do want to take a minute to say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I appreciate you more than you know, and I love that you choose to spend some of your time with me. So I hope that the information I provide is encouraging, helpful, inspiring, and that it encourages you to take action. So remember to subscribe and leave a rating or a review if you liked what you heard today. Next week, I'm going to be chatting with Gretchen Ortiz about habits. We talk about five simple steps that she swears by for creating simple habits that will change your life. If you're looking to simplify and still get lots done on a daily basis, you will not want to miss it. 
I'm Deanna Yates, and you've been listening to Wannabe Minimalist. I'll see you next week. Cheers. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.